Here we go. You are listening to Rumination Thursday Law and Gospel on this February the 11th in the year of our Lord, 2021. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and with me on Rumination Thursdays is Pastor Wes Reimnitz. Hi, Wes. Hi, Tom. How are you? I'm doing pretty good, although it seems like we might not be having worship services tonight because of the weather. How's it doing there in Springfield? Well, it's not snowing right now, but it's cold. Down it's cold. Yeah. Wow. It's a good day to stay in. Yes, I already got a call with some of the people coming from some rural areas, and it'd be difficult for them to get there. So we'll be making a final decision around noon. But Ooh. let's get on to our text or our subject for today. It's a kind of a follow-up from yesterday. Uh, it was Law and Gospel, and I had finished the Walther's various lectures to the seminarians. And I said, one of the things that disturbs me is the lack of discipline that is occurring in congregations. I can't remember recently any congregation that followed through on excommunication. Not that you have to do that to be a congregation, but I just can't imagine that congregations don't have, for example, young people living together apart from marriage and other such things, or divorces occurring on unbiblical grounds. And in talking with you, you suggested that we ought to take a look at judges because you've been doing some study on it, and I thought it was a good idea. Can you explain why you suggested that? Well, uh, as you were talking about it yesterday, then uh, we're not taking sin serious enough. Uh, it it occurs in judges. There's, a, there's some call it a four-way cycle. I call it a six-way cycle that you see throughout the judges especially among the first 12 judges, uh, from Judges 3 to Judges chapter 16. And uh, the, the, what, the what is that cycle? Okay. I call it a six-set set cycle, and you can pick it up at uh, Joshua chapter 2, or Judges chapter 2, 10 to 23. First one is Israel strays from the Lord. You know, uh, in a little earlier, it records that uh, the generation had passed away, the generation that had come in and, and captured Israel and drove out nations. They are, they are long gone, and now it's the children and grandchildren that that are are ruling Israel. And it says there that they strayed from the Lord. The yes, in fact, state, let me explain that a little bit. Because um, this occurs after the death of Joshua. Joshua, And in chapter 2, verse 7, it talks about when Joshua dismissed the people, uh, they went and took possession of the land, and the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua. So there was really great peace, camaraderie, and agreement 
uh, with the will of the Lord. Joshua then died at the age of 110 years old. And uh, what you're talking about, this other generation, is in verse 10 of Joshua, Judges 2. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. And remember that little topic we had on knowing the Lord, what that means? Right, to, to believe in it. They didn't go to Sunday school? No, or they weren't taught by their parents. In, in fact, they're very similar, and you can explain what this is, to the nuns of today. Well, the nuns are the N-O-N-E-S, those that uh, claim they, they have no religious affiliation of any sort. And I made the point yesterday that most of them did not leave the church because they didn't like the gospel, but because they didn't like the law, that God is against abortion, homosexual activity, divorce, adultery, and so forth. And they just felt that that was old-fashioned. So well, you, made a, the, you made another point, though, that I, I thought was really good. You had mentioned in passing that uh, you always counted on seeing the, the, the children show up for church at a later date because mom and dad had taken them to church all the days of their life. It was a church a family that, that worshipped together. I don't recall... I was at one church for 28 years, and there were divorces in that church, but I can remember no divorce where the family, including the children, came to church every Sunday. Did you ever have that situation also? Oh, yeah. Yeah, a couple of them. You know, you, you, over the years, you could just kind of see the families that, that uh, attended, prayed together, went through their trials and tribulations together and their fun times. But uh, it was, uh, as for they in their house, they served the Lord. So many people in the world today look at Jesus as a very loving individual, and they have verses like, you shall not judge as you yourselves be judged. And they don't realize that that's not talking about judging a person as to whether or not they're sinning or not, or whether they're not repentant of it. Judge not means don't say somebody's going to go to hell on the basis of their works, because they could be repentant of them, and then you'll be judged by the same, and you don't want that to be judged by your works. So what happened uh, to the people of Israel According to verse 11, they did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and they provoked, provoked the Lord to anger. So what's the second step? Second step is another nation invades to oppress Israel. God says, well, if, you, if you're going to do evil in my sight and worship these false gods, I'm not going to help you either. And thus they, they would come in and invade. They would take them as slaves and until they could no longer uh, uh, repel them, and then they would lord it over them. And this happened like 12 times in the book of Judges. At least 
12 times. There's 12 judges. They, they say that some of the judges may have served simultaneously together in different parts of, of the promised oh, yes. land. So what was the next step? Well, step three is after uh, it could take as long as 18 years for them to be under oppression. Israel cries to the Lord for deliverance. They, they uh, beseech him, and, and he can no longer take it. So uh, step three is the, is Israel cries for deliverance. Step four is the Lord provides a judge, raises, raises up a judge for them. Yes. In fact, it says in verse 16, then the Lord raised up judges who saved them out of the hand of those who plundered them. And then they had a number of years of peace, did they not? Right. It could it could last as long as 80 years, sometimes 40. Uh, the lowest was uh, 23, 7 years, 10 years, 8 years. You know, but... Uh, at the beginning, they were pretty lengthy times that uh, they they know they had felt peace as long as the judge was alive. That was uh, uh, fifth step. The judge rules for a period of time. And what's the sixth step? Judge dies, and as soon as he dies, the cycle starts all over again. In fact, verse nineteen backs you up. Whenever the judge died. They turned back and were more corrupt than their fathers, going after other gods, serving them and bowing down to them. And they did not drop any of their practices or their stubborn ways. And if that isn't a kind of a good mirror of what's happening in the world today, where people are just following their own ideas and saying that the ideas of God and his will is old-fashioned. They also are therefore denying the Lord God and his will. So what's the final step? Well, the final step was uh, is the cycle starts all over again. And what is, is interesting is we go through these cycles is one verse that I picked up picked up on that, you know, we we talk about these interreligious marriages and things like this, uh, and you talked about it too, where you know we we talk nicely to each other's religion and not uh, true to our own. You go to chapter three, verse six, and their daughters they took to themselves for wives, and their daughter own daughters they gave to their sons, and they served their gods. So these foreign uh, tribes that they were supposed to, to uh, chase out, they didn't, and they ended up uh, intermarrying, and they ended up following those false gods of Baal. I think one of the most important verses that we're trying to get across to the listening audience today is that God does indicate negative consequences when a person does not follow the will of God. And I would turn to Judges 2, verse 21, when the people then did not drop their evil practices of immorality. Verse uh, 21 says, well, 20 says, so the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. 
And he said, because his people have transgressed my covenant that I commanded their fathers and have not obeyed my voice, I will no longer drive out before them any of the nations that Joshua left when he died in order to test Israel by them, whether they will take care to walk in the way of the Lord. So God takes away his promise to watch over them when they become so evil. I think that uh, that, that speaks to it all. It, it, it's like the first commandment. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Luther would say, get the first one straight and the rest all fall into place. Yes, uh, let's just take marriage as an example. A marriage is between a man and a woman after a ceremony in which both pledge faithfulness to one another. And God, when he is involved in that marriage, has promises that he will take care of that couple. But when two people begin living together, do not get married, or not even a male and a female, but a male and a male or a female and a female, God takes away the comfort and gives to them that kind of consequence that helps them to see that, boy, this is not correct. And God only does this in order to try and bring the people back to his will, which he does through the judges. Now, you kind of alluded to that yesterday, but uh, bears repeating is, uh, is, but don't they love each other? And isn't that a, a true indicator that they are meant to be with each other? Yes, except for in the Greek language, there are a number of words for love. And the love God's looking for, that word is agape, for God so loved the world. It's a love that you look out for the interests of the others. Whereas when a man uh, moves another person to live with him and sleep with him, he's only doing it out of self-interest. He's already filled with the devil in that area. And therefore, there are not going to be good consequences that will occur. Although the devil could indicate that this is a great marriage and things aren't going that wrong because he loves to see these people going against the will of God. And therefore, just like many of the Pharisees in Jesus' day who were unbelievers were rich and they had a lot of property and people looked up to them. They thought they were living the good life. And that was really the purpose of the devil so that they would not recognize what Jesus was saying to them. Because if they did, you would end up with two Pharisees, Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea, who then believed in Jesus as their savior rather than their own works as saving them. Yeah, that's an excellent point that you bring out. And, and as you read Judges there, we, we talked about the years of peace when the judge was alive and then passed on. Well, when the cycle starts all over again, they start to abandon and follow false gods. 
and there's a number of years that, that intertwine in there, and they must think that they're being blessed and going going the right way, and until uh, they become oppressed by by the uh, invading nation, and then they cry out. So there's many years in between uh, the judges that uh, seem to indicate that. Uh, Oh, we're doing the right thing when in fact yes. it turns out no. No, exactly. What I find really nice is Jesus in this. Because a lot of people don't recognize Jesus' presence unless the word Jesus is used. But if you take a look at chapter 2, verse 1, it says, and the angel of the Lord went up and spoke to the people. And he says, I brought you up from Egypt, brought you into the land that I swore to give to your fathers. I won't break your, my covenant with you, and you shall make no covenant with the inhabitants of this land. Now, in verse 4, as soon as the angel of the Lord spoke these words to all the people of Israel, the people lifted up their voices and wept, and they called the name of that place Bochim, because that that particular word means weeping, and and they sacrificed there to the Lord. But do you notice who the name of the Lord is? The angel of the, the angel. Lord. Yeah, that's that's, that's the Jesus. other thing. Yeah, Jesus. That's the other thing about uh, Judges that's interesting. I mean, it comes up in chapter 2, comes up with the story of Gideon, comes up with the story of uh, Samson. It's all over the place there in Judges. Yeah, in fact, uh, the Gideon's a good one. That's in chapter 6, verse 11. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under a tree, and the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And then he was given the guidance as to how to get rid of the enemies after the many prayers of the Israelites in asking for help. So the goal of the church is, first of all, to really preach the law in such a way that individuals recognize what is the will of the Lord. And then, and this is the part I think that's missing in many congregations, there needs to be discipline exerted against those who are not only outwardly going against the will of the Lord, but are not repentant of it for the purpose of bringing them back to a recognition of their sinfulness leading to repentance and the forgiveness of sins so that the cycle of judges occurs also uh, within the world today and unfortunately in many congregations. And I think that's important. And when you say the cycle of the judges, that somehow we we confront just not only the sin of living together, but all manners of sin that that, that go unrepentant, you know, with uh, 
couples. It can be with married couples. It can be individuals and in their business dealings. There's a lot of different different uh, sins that we could be dealing with with our membership. Yeah, Jesus did not just mince words of the law with unbelievers, like saying to the Pharisees, your father is the devil. He also spoke against his disciples when they were against the will of God. Uh, remember the conversation uh, Jesus had with Peter telling him he was going to die? What was Peter's response? Give me a, uh, may it never be, Lord, that it should happen to you that we, we rise up against. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. And he also criticized the disciples when they said that he should stop speaking with the children because they weren't really worth it. And Jesus mm -hmm. made the point, no, it is of this kind that comes into the kingdom of God because children don't have anything to offer to get their sins forgiven, plus they're totally dependent on their parents. And that's what faith is. We recognize we have no good works to offer God, and we're totally dependent on the grace and mercies of Christ, looking to his crucifixion, his resurrection, his ascension into heaven, and the many promises that come to us. It is such a, a difference with our grandchildren. You know, we're, we're watching ours, and one of them brought me a cross that he made from Sunday school. And I said, well, what's this cross for? And I said, who died upon the cross? And they said, Jesus. And I said, why did Jesus die upon the cross? For our sins. So, you know, the, the another generation is being raised into the faith. What you did was two things that I always talk about. You first interpreted the cross in the sense of saying, yes, he died on the cross, but then you applied it to your grandchild, indicating helping him to understand that Jesus died on the cross for his sins. And that application is often missing in sermons, and discipline is rarely heard these days. Now, it is heard in a denomination. For example, it's not at all unusual that a pastor breaks his vows and perhaps um, meets with another woman besides his wife and has mm -hmm. a kind of a terrible relationship. He often can be removed from the roster of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, which means he's no longer considered to be a pastor and cannot receive a call. So there is discipline done more in a denomination than in individual congregations. Right. It's, that's a good point that you bring up. I mean, as I was talking with the grandchildren yesterday, I wish I could take credit for it, but it was actually the power of the Holy Spirit, first of all. But their parents and the pastor where they attend, the Lutheran Church down in Paducah, they are the ones that are, are bringing up that generation. And that's what we need to do so that we don't end up having what occurred after Joshua. We're during the days of Joshua, boy, even all the elders of Joshua were obeying the Lord. But when he died, then the generation after him 
guess what? They did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. So talk to most people in the world, and they do not understand the Babylonian captivity and the love that God did in having them go into captivity to awaken them to their sins so that they were eager to return to Jerusalem and rebuild the temple. Good point you bring up. I mean, we're all, always one generation away from unbelief. So it's the necessity of passing on greatest gift that we can have is, is that, pa- that faith, baptizing our children and baptizing our adults in, in name of the Lord. And when discipline occurs in the church, and remember what discipline kind of sounds like making disciples, we need to do it with kindness and love toward the person. We dare never give the impression we're better than they are. The difference is that we, by the Holy Spirit, have been moved to repent of our sins and believe in Jesus Christ. Excellent point. Great, great point to end on. It sure is. So on tomorrow's Law and Gospel, perhaps you'd like to speak to us about that. You need to email us at lawandgospel at lawandgospel101.com. And we're responding these days to emails because we're not in the studio yet uh, due to the virus that uh, just a few people are allowed in. And we'll look forward to maybe talking to you about that. Thank you very much, Pastor Reimnitz. And I hope the weather holds out so we can continue to have worship services. So do we. And great to be with you. God bless you. Gospel each weekday morning at 930 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.